This is the Morning Buzz on Spice Radio 1200 AM. You're with me, Karen Audula, and we're talking about in a move to address the doctor shortage, the BC government is speeding up the process to allow internationally trained doctors to begin practicing in the province. We are now speaking to Dr. Ramnik Dosanj. She is the a physician and the president of Doctors of BC. Dr. Dosanj, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Uh, so let's talk about this announcement about making it easier for internationally trained doctors to begin practicing in the province. What do you make of this move? I think that we're very pleased with the announcement because the provincial government is making it easier for our U.S. and internationally trained family doctors to come back to British Columbia and practice. This is something that Doctors of BC has long advocated for, and I know that we are all well aware of the real challenges right now that we are having in our healthcare crisis. Many of them with primary care have been with us for far too long. So any effort to ease these problems is really welcome. And we know that patients and doctors need all the help they can get. And what were some of the barriers that made it really challenging for those doctors that were trained, you know, outside of Canada? I think many physicians that are trying to return to Canada or coming to Canada, it's been the licensure process, which the College of Physicians and Surgeons of BC has recognized and in coordination with them and the ministry, they have actually alleviated some of the roadblocks that many of the physicians were saying that they were encountering that were really difficult in order to get that licensure and to get it in a timely fashion. Mm -hmm. And I understand part of the plan is to expand the practice-ready assessment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is a practice-ready assessment is a program which international medical graduates can apply for. And we know that there was 32 seats allocated for this program beforehand, and now these seats have increased to 96. So that's 96 physicians that are going to be accepted within to this program where they are supervised for a period of time, and then they do their own practice in BC. And how, especially for these internationally trained doctors, now how will this especially help you know, deal with our shortage of family doctors here in BC? I think we recognize that there's nearly one million patients that are unattached and they lack access or to a family doctor in general. And we know that we've developed a new payment model as well to hopefully retain many of our family doctors we have currently practicing. But bringing in more people will definitely help with the burden. We know that there's many places where we are finding that there's a critical shortage. We're also noticing that increasing wait times to see a surgeon our surgical wait list times are increased, as well as our emergency rooms are really increased in wait times and kind of unacceptable at this time. And why do you think now is the time that we're kind of finally making this move? Because we know that our healthcare system has been dealing with a lot of challenges, as you've been said, but why do you think now we're finally doing this? I think really as we've gone through the two pandemics, we've had an opioid crisis and a COVID-19 crisis. And Really, this has illuminated and highlighted all the gaps in the healthcare system, and really that we should have been planning for this a lot longer than in the current stream. But I am excited at the efforts of the ministry partners and the College of Physicians and Surgeons to move towards this path. I think it's really essential that doctors are at the table and their voice is heard, because at the end of the day, we know what's best for our patients. We know what we need in their clinic. They trust us, as well in the hospital environment, but we also know what is causing a stress or strain in our practice styles to really need to be changed. And so I think the new payment model that we've actually co-created has actually had an ability to have a thoughtful process 
and we've listened to the burdens of practice, which many physicians, many family doctors were ready to quit and not be able to keep up with the cost of running their practice as well as the administrative burdens. So this is a first step in the hope to really ameliorate some of these concerns. Dr. Dosanjh, what has been the biggest criticism working against our internationally trained doctors and how are we circumventing that? I think, honestly, some of the times is the amount of spots or the ability to get their license in a reasonable time. I think it's unacceptable that physicians that are accredited and fully competent in their skills are having to take other jobs and not be able to be in the workforce. And Dr. Zabisi has advocated for this for many years, and now finally we're seeing some change. Wonderful. And that brings me to my next question. How many faculties or colleges we have teaching medicine here in BC? Well, as you must have heard yesterday, they announced the opening of the SFU Medical School to be taking place in 2026. Currently, right now, we have UBC Medical School, which has campuses in, we've got Victoria, Okanagan, and Northern British Columbia. And SFU says it's opening its doors. The one concern that we did have with this announcement, while we're happy for more seats and more people in medicine, the concern that many of us may have is how are we going to have enough faculty to train these medical students and what's going to happen to the UBC medical students? So some of the questions that we've raised and we want to acknowledge that we want to ensure that there's physicians and their input at the table. We've got a great section of clinical faculty that works at UBC and many of those preceptors also have been trying to find mentorship for the current residents and medical students. Now, Dr. Romnik Dosanjh, I see that also there are 70 key actions that, you know, the B.C. government is working when it comes to recruiting, training, and retaining healthcare workers. And now moving forward, what are some other actions you're looking forward to? I think the continued collaboration, what we've heard from many of my physician colleagues on the ground, we've got community-based specialists which are suffering and finding the same burdens that we've had in primary care. So they're having the increased rising cost of business, operational costs, the cost of doing tests, for example, for our patients. The other thing that we definitely have to see is our acute care facilities. We are seeing increase in wait times. There's so many people without access to primary care. We need to continue to fix that, but also to give some relief to our surgeons that have these increased wait lists and patients can't, they have to delay their surgeries. And so we have to think about how we are looking after our patients and where our patients are getting their care. So I really truly believe that if we increase our care in the community and we heavily resource that, then less likely people are going to have to go to the hospital. So the other thing that we need to think about is prevention and primary prevention of disease and really trying to do team-based care. I think the other part of this equation is going to be really enforcing the team-based care that patients don't always need to see a doctor, but they could see a nurse or allied healthcare professional in conjunction with a physician. So really having teams to be able to coordinate the care that our patients so need and deserve. Dr. Dosanjh, I want to thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You take care. You too. Thank you so much and have a great day.